Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On Talk Sport. Welcome to the Talk Sport Fight Night podcast with me, Gareth A. Davis, and Adam Catterall. We have a heap of guests and subjects that we're talking about and interviewing this week, but we started this week with the Hall of Fame promoter, Mr. Frank Watt. We'll be making an announcement uh, next week. Um, we're quite confident we'll be up and running in uh, probably in the, within the first two weeks of July. Why can you not give me the announcement now? What's that? Why are we making the announcement next week? <laughs> we have to, Adam. Um, we have to get the consent to do it. So I'll be... It's not going to happen, but we're working very hard and it's not as easy as everybody thinks for obvious reasons. You know, the safety aspects of it and so forth. And obviously yeah. the, the uh, consent, but the British Boxing Board of Control have been working closely with, uh, with most promoters, but certainly with us. And we're uh, quite confident that we can be providing there's no spike, spike, and especially what's going on today. I hope there's not going to be a spike from all these demonstrations. Mm. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Uh, don't get that, and uh, we 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 will uh, we will start seeing some boxing live boxing on TV. Do you see it as an opportunity for uh, some of those? And this is no disrespect to me referring to them as this mid to lower tier uh, fighters, both the boys and the girls, in order to make a bit of a name for themselves. Because we're thirsty for action here in the UK, aren't we? And if we're giving them an opportunity on these cards with five fights on there, if they step up to the plate and. Uh, and do their thing and really impress a, a, a fan base, they can actually grow their profile rather quickly. That, 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 that is an absolute fact. You know, normally these guys are being undercard in some cases of very, very big shows, but um, they'll be up there and they'll be getting the exposure and very valuable exposure, which in some ways is good for us as promoters as well as it is for them because obviously it takes them on and up to another level and hopefully people will recognise them um, when... We're hoping when we get the live gates back again, these guys could have a chance to move themselves up the card and be mm. you know, more well-known. Frank, um, good evening. Um, the, 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 uh, you're absolutely, to, to clarify what you're saying, because I spoke to the board this week, they haven't yet solidified and cemented the exact um, mm. testing protocols which will be released next week, won't they? That, that's, that's one of the reasons why you can't go ahead with this yet. 
Um, but could you give us a hint as to whether it could be in um, a studio or it, or you're likely to look at a hotel rather like they're doing at the MGM in the ballroom in, in Las Vegas on Tuesday night? My preference is to do it in the studio. Um, I think it's easier to contain. I think it's easier for uh, for everybody involved. There's not so much travelling. You're not going to have the, some of the problems you may have, for example, if you were doing it at a, at a, 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 a say, a hotel or something where you've got to put an OB truck in there. I mean, mm. the guys working in OB trucks and compliance and be worried about social distancing as far as the production crews are concerned. So that's my preference. I mean, my, obviously my preference is for a live audience, but... Yeah. Um, we are where we are. We've got to make the best of the situation. We, as I say, but, but no one knows how this is going to work out until we actually try it. But we're, you know, we're not sitting on our backsides. We are trying to make this happen for various reasons. And, uh, and, I, and I, as I say, I do believe that um, we, will, we will be in a position um, next week to announce something. Obviously, during the lockdown, there's been toing and froing and a lot of talk about where Tyson Fury goes next, what's happening with Deontay Wilder. And can you, can you confirm or, 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 or clarify for us whether it's spurious that, um, you know, reports say this week that, you know, that um, you'd said that um, Tyson Fury has signed a contract to fight Anthony Joshua in a unification bout in an unnamed country. Is that spurious or not? Well, it's untrue. I know I, what I actually said. I said that all the parties concerned regarding basically the promoter's concern, had signed an NDA with a country. Well, that's for negotiations. We've not had an offer. Tyson signed nothing. And I don't know where they got it from, you know, where that's come from. That certainly was not what, you know, whether they misinterpreted it, I don't know, but that's not the case. And nothing's been signed. The fight's not on at the moment. Tyson mm. has a contractual commitment to for the uh, rubber match with, um, or I should say the third fight with, Deontay Wilder and uh, Anthony Joshua has uh, his commitment against Pula. That is the, that is the position, and nothing has changed um, uh, since then. And, and you know, I've got to be honest with you. I keep saying this. I've been banging on about this from day one, and I'm convinced that Anthony Joshua may want to fight, but I don't believe Matt Trum do. I think they talk they talk about it, talk about it. I'm hearing all sorts of rumours that are allegedly. Um, trying to um, sell part of their business to a, 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 a group in the Middle East, one of the countries in the Middle East, or a company from the Middle East, to sell part of it. And the bottom line of it is they're dueling the crown is, is Anthony Joshua, and they certainly won't want to get him beat or the, or the chance of him getting beat. That's not going to be good for their business. And I genuinely believe that, that they will do all they can to talk the talk, but I don't think when it comes down to it, they're going to... They're going to sign up to anything to fight uh, Tyson Fury. I really do not believe that. I really, really have serious doubts that their commitment is to make this fight happen. Regarding, you just mentioned, obviously, Tyson's commitment to uh, the third fight with, with Deontay. Where are we at with that? Do you, do you envisage us having to wait until crowds are allowed back into arenas? Or do you see it happening a little bit sooner, maybe behind closed doors? No, we've got to wait till crowds come back into the arena. Uh, to get that done, Adam. There's no way in this world we're going to be doing that behind closed doors. You know, the guys uh, are expecting certain expectation levels as to what they're earning, uh, what they will earn for the fight. And you'll only do that if you have a, a, a live gate that generates some serious income. But Frank, do you do you envisage that 
it may be better to bring Wilder over here to do that and do it as a very late night fight? Or do you think it's still kind of America bound for the contest? It, it, there's a lot of facets to it, you know. The, 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 you know, to make these fights happen, to make them viable, it's not just it's the live gate which pays a large part of it. It's the American pay per view. It's the British pay per view. Hmm. So you've got to look at all those all those areas and where you where you can maximise the the income because that's what these guys want. Them. <laughs> want these are career defining fights. You know, um, this for them is their chance. This is their moments. You know, of, of earning big money, so um, we have to take all that consideration. Will it happen in the UK? I'd love it to happen here. I really would like it to happen. And, and you know, who knows? Maybe that may be the case. But um, I think, I think, it, I think that it may wind up going to a neutral country. But we'll see. You know, Bob, Bob uh, Aaron was talking about that he had an offer from a, a country in the Far East. And again, um, that's not you know nothing's been nothing's been uh, confirmed about that yet. But there are people who are interested in staging fights involving Tyson Fury. But he also, Frank, he also mentioned Australia and Macau to us on the show as well. Is that really possible? Well, look, <laughs> to be quite honest, if they come up with the money, then of course it's possible. Yeah. Anything's possible. <clears throat> I mean, could you imagine you go back to sort of to the seventies and we're having a conversation about Muhammad Ali? And Joe Frazier and somebody said, you know, that fight will take place, you know, in, in the Philippines. We'd all be saying, what? Or if you said that Foreman and, and, and Ali was going to take place in, in Zaire, we'd all be like, you know, yeah, OK, heard it. But they, these things do happen. And they happen, they've happened in the past. And who knows, we may be in a position where one of these big fights do go to a, a, a country that we that, that come out left field. Frank, again, regarding uh, fighting behind closed doors, um, we, were, we were unlucky, really, with, with the way that the pandemic dropped, that we missed out on uh, Joe Joyce and Daniel Dubois. We're all dead excited about that particular fight. We've had, Obviously, Daniel's on a little bit later on. We had Joe on last week. We'd love to see those guys uh, get back together. We envisage, I mean, maybe you can correct me on this, that they will probably take interim fights before they meet each other. Um, but is that something that you're looking to put on this year, at least? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, at the moment we 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 pushed it back to the autumn, uh, late autumn, and we're waiting. We're, we're just again in the hands of the, of the scientists and the government who will decide when, when and if we can uh, put on events before, you know, before a live a large gathering. You know, yeah. when social distancing distancing uh, hopefully goes away. We're in their hands. Until that happens, I, I, I genuinely cannot give you an answer on it, but it has to, you know, for me, it's a fight that has to take place in front, again, of a live audience. I mean, we were nigh on sold out in the O2 with, uh, I think, about three weeks before, well, three yeah. or four weeks ago before this, this pandemic um, started. So that's, that's what we want to see. It's a fight that deserves a live audience. It was, a, it was two undefeated heavyweights. Uh, I mean, there was a, there was, I mean, everybody, everybody, but everybody... Not just here, but all around, all in the boxing world, you know, in the states and, and other countries, we're all really looking forward to the event, and uh, we hope that we can get it back on. In the meantime, we've got to look and see what happens over the next couple of months. And, and these guys, I'm quite sure, will want to get into the ring. They want to do something, and we, again, that I hope it won't be, but maybe they will wind up finding behind closed the shows that we're putting. The early shows are going to involve. Um, you know, domestic title fights, that's what we're looking at. Right. 
Frank, um, uh, I think finally, um, we're talking about heavyweights a lot tonight. You've signed another top heavyweight prospect in Mitchell Barton. Um, yeah. He's joined the stable. Um, he, he will obviously make his professional debut fairly soon. Would you like to get him out? Um, tell us a little about him. And, and do you, do you, would you like to get him out on one of these early shows that you're going to do? Well, providing we get him licensed, uh, I'd love to. And I'm worried about it. We've got some good heavyweight, young heavyweights uh, on our books. Um, David Adelaide, he's looking, he's looking, uh, you know, he, he's chomping at a bit. He was sparring with Tyson. Um, he's uh, his preparations for the fight. Uh, his last fight against Deontay Wilder, as you say, um, we got we've got um, uh, Nathan Gorman coming back. There are quite a few guys there, so there's some great domestic fights to be made once these guys get some fights under their belts. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to our, our latest guy making his his debut, and we get him out as soon as we can. Well, from the large halls to the small halls, I spoke to veteran small hall promoter Steve Goodwin about the plight that coronavirus has forced on those journeyman events in the smaller venues. Here's what he had to tell How does it stand for someone like yourself under the kind of broad parameters of the guidelines that, that Robert Smith and the Boxing Board of Control have put out so far for you to put on shows. Where do you stand at we this can't. moment? Non-existent, cannot happen, impossible. Nobody can afford <clears throat> in small hall to put on shows, unless you have a benefactor or you have a, you're on a financial suicide mission and you want to lose 30, 40,000 per show, you can't stage shows. Um, so as far as, as a manager, I've got fighters that could fight on some of these other cards. But as a promoter, realistically, until there is a vaccine, until there is or a treatment, and until there is confidence about people going to a venue, we cannot resume. Just explain for those either listening or watching why you aren't able to put one on, the parameters okay. of why. Okay, so <clears throat> obviously if, we, if somebody puts on a show at York Hall and it's off TV you're going to start with at a deficit of say, let's say 20,000 pounds. And so this is a normal show. So you could trim a few of the costs, but not a lot of them. You then have to try, you've got no revenue coming in, no sponsors, no TV. So you've got to sell tickets to generate money. So as a guideline, if every boxer fighting on the card covers the cost of his opponent and gives a thousand pounds towards that 20,000 deficit, then that helps. And then the promoter tries to sell his own tickets to try and get to that 20,000 bar. So that 20,000 bar is sitting there and you've got to somehow try and reach near to it. And a lot of times you can't reach it and other times you can just get above it. Now, if you've then got to put, this, put a show on, and, let's, and this is without paying boxers 20,000, so let's assume now you take away some security, reduce some costs, you might get away with 15,000. So we start off at 15,000, we put on a firefight card. So who's going to pay the boxers? There are no ticket sales. So all of a sudden, they're going to want purses. So let's assume you give a purse range for five fights of, let's say, 15 grand, 20 grand. The 20 grand goes on top of the 15 grand. You're now 35,000 down. You've then got to now house the boxers in hotels and provide PPE tests. Add another 5,000. At, so at least for that. And I'm just starting, and I'm being conservative. So we're 40,000. 
I'm not going to throw £40,000 down the drain. And that's what that does. So unless you have a benefactor, unless you have somebody willing to throw money away, or unless you want to lose money because for whatever reason, it's not workable for the general small. People like Carl Greaves who promotes Steve Wood, myself, the other people that promote within our Goodwin Boxing banner, and all of these people, it's just not possible to promote. One of the boxers said to me, why don't you do it behind closed doors and pay-per-view it? Well, we know how many buys Huey Fury against Joseph Parker sold. They were minimal. McKennessy done his brains doing that. Now, if you can't do that for a world heavyweight title fight, you're not going to do that for a southern area English title fight. You might get people who will watch it because they're desperate to watch, and I'm sure you would get a lot of viewers, but most wouldn't pay because you've got around the corner, you're going to have Eddie putting on his shows and Frank doing the bare and closed doors that are going to be free through Sky and BT Sport. So they're not going to pay for a small hall card when they can watch the bigger fights. It makes no sense. So there needs to be clarity because nobody understands this. It is not possible to do it. Not possible. So you've got almost or just over 100 boxers on your books. I yeah. know because you and I have spoken, you know, during the lockdown as well, you know, um, not necessarily on air or anything, but just between us with me trying to get a, an idea of where you're heading at the moment. What have you advised all those boxers to do at the moment? Well, some boxers want to fight. So they want to fight whatever. So you've got a difference. Linus Udofia, who's an English champion, who's really top 10 in the country as a middleweight, is not interested in taking a short notice fight on TV in the away corner. He's not interested. His attitude is, I'll resume my career in March. I spoke to Liam Dillon. Next year. Next year. Next year. Next year. Yeah. He's saying, well, if I have to resume my career in March, because that's in my head, and I will explain why I think it probably is going to be March. Liam Dillon, who was due to fight for an English title, we were in talks about him potentially fighting on one of the TV cards. He's decided not to do that as well. Other fighters I've got want to fight. Um, if an opportunity comes up on one of these fights, they will take a chance and go and fight a Warren or a Hearn prospect and they will take their chances. So I've got some fighters who want to do that. Others, I've got a brilliant cruiserweight by the name of Jamie Smith, who I think is going to go all the way. He's, not, he's going to sit it out and wait. He's not going to go in, he's going to wait. And, and he's, he's going to carry on building his career and treat it as if he's injured. So most of the boxes I've got... Um, We've had to talk individually. Brad Pauls was, was dependent on sponsorship for his money. He's now gone and taken a job. But nothing is going to change with his career. He's going to carry on with his career when it finishes, as, uh, when it started. Other fighters, I've got a fighter, Sean Robinson, who's, who is due, who's former Southern Area champion. He would be happy to go in with the right opponent with, with adequate notice on one of these big shows. So each boxer has got a different strategy. But what we won't be doing, what we will not be doing, is, is, get, is a boxer will go in there underprepared, which is with getting late notice and not getting, because we know that what happens, and this is a, big promoters do do this, this is part of their game. Their fighters train for 10 weeks and they try and give somebody else two and a half weeks notice. Well, we're not going to have a guy whose career has been built and do that. As long as we get adequate notice and we think it's a fight they've got a chance, they'll take it. So, but overall... Are you advising perhaps the vast majority of them, given what you're saying about March, and I'd love you to explain that length of time, presumably then you're saying to most of them, go and get a job for nine months, 10 months. Yeah. 
because most of them, well, most of mine have got a job anyway. Mm. Most of the boxers I manage, because when they turn professional, I tell them that a small hall boxer should not be full-time. You should have another job. You, Rendell Munro was a bin man. Josh Warrington worked in a dentist. You don't need to be full-time until you've, you don't need to be full-time until you reach a certain level. So when you are small hall and you haven't got the benefits of a Frank or Eddie contract, then you need to have, an, have another income. And don't, because what happens if a boxer comes small hall and they don't have an income? They know it's all their fight. They will start building their career and they'll get desperate for money. And they then start taking the wrong fights because they are so desperate for money. Tyler Goodjohn, who wasn't my fighter, was one of those who was building up a career as a, as a small hall, but he wanted money. So he went and took wrong fights because he needed the money. I don't want my fighters to be dependent on money. I want them to be financially sufficient so that they can get the best out of their boxing career and take the yeah. right fight yeah. at the right time. So explain why you don't think you will be able to put 1,500 people and maybe eight fights on at the, at the York Hall, Bethnal Green, one of the great historic homes of boxing in East London, till March next year. Okay, so I believe that you, you're not going to fill up York Hall until um, you're able to get confidence of the public to go into public event, into, into arenas. And we can touch base. I know Eddie and Frank, Eddie's announced arena shows. I'm, I'll be very surprised if that fills up without a vaccine. But you're not going to get people going into York Hall, which is, for example, you've got no air conditioning in there. It's not, it's going to be, if ever you're going to catch a virus, it will be there. Um, and without a vaccine or some treatment, who is going to want to go? Nobody's going to want to go. Um, in terms of vaccine, my view is that we have a fair chance of getting some treatment with this Oxford vaccine, September, October time, with AstraZeneca are producing it in advance. So on the basis that that is successful, and that is by no means guaranteed, but on the basis that is successful, there should be a vaccine available to us September, October time over here. Now, by the time that, that gets, we all get vaccinated and there's a bit of confidence, we're into October. You haven't got enough time then to do a show in December because you're not gonna have six, you can't sell a box and now you're gonna sell within six weeks. There's going to be all this this to and froing. So I think you need a three month lead in for small hall. So in reality, if you're aiming for March, it means you can probably start pushing and advertising those shows in December. So I'm hoping that by December we have some form of treatment that will mean that the the, the even if we can get coronavirus, that it will be able to stop. It will stop most of the deaths. And if that happens, I'm thinking that's the earliest possible that we're going to get anything. And that to me means the earliest possible is March, in my opinion, without being able to put a show on and get people in. So the bottom line with all this then, um, and this is a serious question for boxing, you'll have had a whole year in the UK, which is a vibrant, vibrant market. I remember Robert Smith telling me last year in March when we locked down, a year earlier, we had had something, I think he said there were 43 shows just in the month, something mm. like that. An extraordinary number of shows because with the heralding of the big fight nights as well, people love to go to boxing again. In yeah. that year out, because we're going to have a year out in other words, because the last small hall shows would have been late February, early March. 14th of March. 14th we of March. Yeah. You were the last one, 14th of March. Um, is it possible the bottom drops out of the industry or will it come back again in your view? 
it's very possible that that could happen. Um, there'll be a lot of promoters that won't come back because I think it'll be harder to promote and break even when we come back as well. Be harder. It will be harder for a lot of boxers. Some boxers will have lost the ambition. They may have had a baby or they may have had a relationship because boxers are in that age group where they have children and families. So their, 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 their priorities will have changed. And I think it becomes very very difficult. And a lot of boxers have rung me and said they want to become a journeyman. They want to go on the road. So they're going to think, well, hold on a minute. I want to now get money for my, I want to build money for a house and a family. So I'm going to use my skill set for something else. So I think there's going to be a hell of a lot of changes. Um, we are still seeing a lot of new boxer inquiries. So we're still going to get a lot of new boxers coming through. So I, I don't think it'll be that bad, but it will take a bit of time adjusting. And a lot of promoters will struggle financially and a lot of boxers may struggle financially it depends on the re on the economic recovery in the country if we get a u-shaped recovery then ticket sales are going to be very difficult if we get a v-shaped recovery then ticket sales may be able to get back to some sort of normality what a brilliant meticulous outline there from steve goodwin about the problems currently facing uh, the small hall shows and the journeyman fighters uh, under the pandemic lockdown and the inability to have fans in arenas. Well, from Steve Goodwin, we move to Amir Khan, the former unified light welterweight world champion who is really keen to get back to action. Said that if he has to stay out too long, you never know, he may not box again. But he doesn't feel right walking out to fight at a venue behind closed doors. Here's what Amir had to tell us. It's Amir Khan! He's all over the place! The left going to high speed on him. And it's all over! In 40 seconds, Amir Khan returns to world boxing! He's wobbled, he's hurt. Yeah, Khan goes in shots. for the finish, and he's down. And the towel comes straight in. He's not going to make it up. This is going to be a knockout victory for Amir Khan. So I can make you rest. Amir Khan. Hey, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. Gareth Air Davis with me. And uh, I'll tell you what, we've mentioned this on a couple of occasions, actually, during uh, lockdown and the pandemic, of uh, the fight community, both boxers and MMA stars, going that extra mile to help the local communities. We mentioned Conor McGregor, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Gareth with his donations for PPE to P, uh, to the frontline staff in Ireland, and we actually mentioned Amir Khan's name uh, yeah. with everything that he's been doing uh, in the northwest and further afield in Pakistan as well. Uh, and he's joining us very kindly now, Mr. Khan. How are you, sir? You well? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Listen, have you have you, have you still got that blonde hair, or have you? Uh, are, no, are, no, are, are we? Uh... <laughs> hey, listen, it's been that long that we've not seen each other, or spoke to each other. That. Have you got have you got a mullet? Have you got a mullet like me now? Because your hair grows really quickly. I bet you got really I bet you look like a um kind of Pakistani warrior from the, the seventeenth <laughs> you know century with really long hair. It, yeah, can't get a haircut or anything, so <laughs> hair's getting long. Um it's not as long as yours yet though. It's a little bit shorter. <laughs> <laughs> Amir Khan's gone for a Gareth Air Davis haircut. I like it. That's <laughs> no, Gareth's got the right. Gareth's got the nice, nice hairstyle. I think. I, I think it'll take a couple of years to get to that size, there, Gareth. <laughs> <laughs> Amir, uh, before we obviously talk about all the great work that you and your foundation are doing, and of course getting stuck into the world of boxing, how has lockdown been for you, mate? Because you're a geezer that is 
always yeah. all over the place, whether it's America, whether it's the Middle East, whether it's here in the UK, and now obviously you're uh, tied down to one place. Well, it's been quite hard for us all. Um, you know, be, being stuck at home, to be honest with you. And um, But the only times I've, I have been going out is when I've had um, I've been given food boxes and aid and, you know, face visors and, and hand sanitizers to, like, the local hospitals and then going out to different places, like I went to um, Walsall, went to Birmingham, went to London, uh, Peterborough and Manchester. So when I travelled there for with for the Army Con Foundation, giving boxes of food to families that needed the most, really. And it's just, it makes me realise that, you know, we're all going through this very tough time now and we all have to be there for one another. And I'm trying to do my bit and get more of my friends and people involved with me to help get get food out to people. How, go- no, how good wonderful. has the feeling been with, obviously, the response towards your charity? Because, obviously, social media plays a big role now, obviously, in these things, doesn't it? Yeah. And people can see the work that you're doing. Uh, and I've, I've seen the comments on, on your own timeline and what have you, of people yeah. getting involved and asking how they can get involved and all this type of stuff. It yeah. must be quite a rewarding moment for you to see that inspiration filtering oh, through to other communities. Yeah, definitely. It doesn't matter what colour you are, what race you are, but we're all working together, working with each other, and I've had amazing uh, response from the community. And at the same time, I've had so many people that want to help. Obviously, being away, we have to keep arms left. We have to keep that two-metre space between us all, and obviously we can't be in big groups, so I have to keep saying no to them. But it's just good to know that people want to help, and people want to show their support as well you know i'm not only on my own now I'm, i've got a good team around me who's all, yeah. all, always helping me and it's made they've made it even more easier for me so I've, I've got teams now in the likes of peterborough london so whenever uh they ask me to come down and we can distribute food i get the food and at the the companies i've got involved with me i've got some really big companies that have been involved with me like poundland got in touch with me through linkedin saying can we can we somehow support you? And I said, look, we're giving out food parcels, and if you want to help and show your support, they sent over a big truck full of food and long life amazing. milk. And Brilliant. Long life. So it's amazing that the whole community is working with each other, and you know, we, we, we're all helping one another. Can I ask you, Amir, and I, I remember writing about it very, very early in, in, the, in the lockdown when, when things yeah. began in March, that... Um, the, the banqueting and reception, yes. huge building that you've got in Bolton that you built, which which we once dubbed the money pit when we talked about it years ago yeah. in in San Francisco. Uh, yeah. yeah, that you had to plough loads of money into it. I've got to congratulate you from from our show and from you know from Adam and myself for pledging that, first of all. Did they no, take you. you up in the building? Did they need it in the end? Because uh, so it was a I great gesture. Yeah, no, definitely. And when I spoke to the local NHS and everyone, I said, look, there's a building there before I start my own interior in it. And I start spending money in it. It's empty now. It's watertight. It's ready. It's got electric in it. So if you want to start using it for the people who are suffering from coronavirus, just so they're away from people in hospitals and stuff and they're not spreading that coronavirus around, I'm more than happy to give it to you for nothing. Just take over it and keep it for as long as you want and they came back to me and said the numbers in Bolton and the great Manchester area in the north of England are quite low so we don't really need it but if we ever do need it we will uh, definitely be in touch and we'll take it so my offer still lies there for them if they ever need it it's there for them no, that's fantastic fantastic Amir um, on to sport how are you uh, yeah. are you ticking over are you still in the gym are you, are you still doing the am, road yeah. work what are you doing man I'm doing a little bit of running uh, here and there uh, I'm, I'm, I'm now, um, I've 
just got my own gym opened just for maybe two or three of us go down. So we're well away from each other. We're just doing a little session there. Uh, they're normally my, doing my timekeeping, really, yeah. and kind of motivating me and pushing me. See, as a fighter, you need, need people around you to kind of, you know, yell at you. You've, you've seen it from the best out there, the likes of Joshua and, and Mayweather. They like a good crowd of people there to sh- kind of motivate them. And, you know, I have a few friends there who kind of motivate me and uh, push me hard. But, yeah, I have been going to the gym, do like a nice big circuit, um, and, I, and and it is quite hard knowing that, you know, we can't spar or we can't train with one another. I can't even have a padman because it's too close. So I can't do none of them things. But if I just keep myself busy doing a circuit, got a rope, got some ropes there, got some um, weights, weights and press-ups, sit-ups, you name it, and go for a little jog outside, do some sprints, uphill sprints. So I am keeping myself busy, but I just don't know how long this is going to be because I can only see as a fighter, or as a sportsman, we train for what we have coming up for us. And yeah. I'm just training now, but I don't know what's out there for me at this moment in time. It's... What am I training for? Yeah, you, 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 you did an interview about a month ago, Amir. I, I noted it, that you were, you were talking about exactly this. And you actually said, if this goes on too long, I will actually think about whether I am going to box or not again. Because mm. you feel that you've probably got two more fights in you. You want mm. a world title again. Is it a, if you can't get out there in front of a crowd again for another year, could that have a material effect on whether you actually box again or not? I 100% think that, yeah. I mean, I could say yes to that because, um, look, I've got, I'm in the top 10 in the world. Um, I'm number one or number two in the in the WBA and WBC rankings. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a touching distance away from a title fight again. But the thing is now, I don't know how long this is going to last, and I'm 33 now. And I'm only getting older. I'm not getting any younger. I'm not getting any faster. Um, and it's, it's even harder for me now to keep my weight down, to um, you know, to get my to go in the gym and commit my whole time there because I've got a family now. So I've got three kids. So it's so hard for me now. If this goes any longer, it's going to be very hard for me to stay in the sport and you know, and to be committed to it. But um, let's hope it doesn't last too long. Like I said. Hopefully, I want to be back in. I wanted to be back in the ring in March. Just gone. I wanted to. I was looking at mm. names, and I wanted to be in the ring again. And then this pandemic happened, so I left it now. So if you think about it, since my last fight, which was almost a year ago, it's yeah. a very long time for me to be out, and especially at this age where I want to keep myself busy because I'm only getting. In a way, I'm getting older. I'm not going to be. Go on, pick, pick the two fights then. Pick the two fights that you really want. So two fights that I really want. Look, one could be a Kell Brook fight, definitely. That's a massive oh, fight. Oh, good. And and I would love a rematch with Danny Garcia for, for a title. See, I know the Kell Brook fight won't be for a title, but um, the Danny Garcia fight may be for a title. We're both at 147, whereas Kell Brook's gonna, he he's up to 154 uh, pounds, which is like middleweight. I'm still a welterweight, and I've always said that if I'm going to carry on my career, it's only going to be at a welterweight because... I made that mistake fighting the likes of Canelo and going up a weight and stuff like that. So I want to stay at my own weight, really. Mm. The likes of, I think Danny Garcia is talking, is he talking about a fight with Spence? Is that right? Yeah. That's he's... right, yeah. He's talking that, yeah. Um, he's talking about fighting Spence. So he wants, he wants to keep himself going as well. Um, it looks really bad what's happening in America with, you know, yeah. with all the, with this pandemic. And uh, we don't know, maybe they could be, because they said there's all, over 40,000 uh, 40 million, sorry, people who are jobless and country is going through a lot of problems and a lot of people need help there. We don't know if 
if it's ever going to be back on the TV again anytime soon. I know UFC is back on television, yeah. which probably Gareth's buzzing about because I'm not Gareth's a massive <laughs> UFC fan. But, um, <laughs> we both are, yeah. yeah. But when they say that boxing is going to be back on there, is it going to be the same? Because to imagine, like, I can never imagine myself going into a ring with no fans. Yeah. Mm, mm. I can't yeah, imagine I you going into a ring with no fans either. Yeah. I don't know how to do it. And, like, I, the, the arena must be empty. There must be no buzz there. So, I mean, what do you think of that, Gareth? Do you think, like, it's good for the sport or not? Well, I think it is because I think it gave it the kickstart to get back. I mean, you know, as we're going to see next Tuesday, Bob Arum's bringing events back Tuesday, Thursday and some Saturdays uh, right. in a place you know well in the ballroom at the MGM in what they're calling the bubble with all the fighters right. kept inside a bubble. But you know, you, you've been responsive yourself to big crowds for such a long time. We yeah. know we've been around you in fight weeks. You feed off that energy. And, yeah. and you're at the stage in your career where you're a very wealthy man. You've got a massive global reach across the world with the links you've got with different cultures and you know all the cultures you've grown up around and in. I, I, I don't see you being able to box um, in, in front of an empty audience. I could not... I couldn't. You're one of the yeah, few boxers... Right. I, yeah, exactly. I could not see you walking out in front of an empty stadium, you know? See, I'm, I like to have a crowd there and um, since coming back from the Olympic Games turning professional, it's been it's been a full house and a full arena for me whenever I fought there. And so that kind of drives me. That kind yeah. of motivates me to put on a good performance and, you know, it gets you in... gets you focused and gets you ready. Imagine walking in there in an empty room. It's not the same for me, really. And I, I, I like to be a people's champion. I like to have fans there. I want to show them, give them a good showcase of, of a fight, uh, regardless win or lose, but I want to put, put a good fight on. Mm. And imagine not having no fans there, mm. even though you know they're going to be watching on television, but it's not the same, really. No, it's not. Not at all. It's a noise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's by the time you... you come back, by the time you come back, you're going to be called Amir Greybeard Khan, right? <laughs> and 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 you're probably going to have you're probably, probably going to have your fifth kid on the way. Fifth kid? Oh my God! No more kids anymore. I mean, I think we do not. She have the kids. The kids are having me. I mean, that's a training session on its own. Running after the kids. I mean. It is quite hard, and imagine having any more. Oh, forget that. The way things are going now, I think the pregnancy weight, weight is going to go high if we are stuck at home all this time. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it'll be booming. Oh, brilliant! Brilliant. Listen, Amir, before you go, I don't know if you saw this in the in the press the other day, but Freddie Roach was talking, and he was talking about Manny Pacquiao potentially fighting Triple G. You've stepped up to one sixty yeah. in your career. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I saw that. I saw that, but I didn't know it was quoted by Freddie. I just saw a picture of them two together on, on my social media. I just think it's a big jump, really. Look, Triple yeah. G, he's not finished. Um, a lot of people think he might have been after that tough war he had against Canelo, but he still has it in him. I think power, size makes a massive difference in that fight. And him against um, a smaller Manny Pacquiao, I think Manny would get hurt in that fight. I mean, I like Manny. I think Manny's a great fighter, but if you look at the people he's beaten, They've been nowhere near, even though they've been a little bit bigger than him, but they've been nowhere near the Canelo power. They've not, uh, not the Canelo, sorry, the, the Triple G power, or they've not had the speed or the movement or the skill as him. So I just feel that that's too much. You know, some fighters, I mean, is he just saying it just to kind of get a bit of, you know, get, get a bit of hype? But I just yeah. feel that's a stupid move if he's ever going to make that because he can get hurt really badly. 
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Also caught up this week with Michaela Mayer, the WBC NABF female super featherweight title holder, who is part of the comeback of boxing this week in America on Bob Arum's card in the ballroom in the bubble in Las Vegas. And she said she is delighted in her bout against Helen Joseph that she is a part of history because she's the first female back after the pandemic lockdown. Feels great. I'm like so excited to be on this card because I know a lot of people are going to be watching and it's an opportunity for me to grow my career, grow my brand, reel in some new fans and also women's boxing. Like to have a female fight on the first card back is huge for us and I have a duty to put on a good show for everyone, show, show the world what we can do. Presumably you've been in lockdown for three months like everyone else, yeah? Well, what have you been doing and how have you been existing in that time? <laughs> um, well, I think my lockdown has been a little bit different because of just who I am in general. But I, <laughs> when this whole lockdown happened, I was like a day away from flying out to my fight in New York City, right? That got canceled. So obviously that was disappointing. Sent Coach Allen a flight home the next day. And... Uh, we decided like, okay, let's hit the road and do a camping trip by the lake. It was one of my best friends, her bachelorette party. It's supposed to happen in Vegas that weekend. We couldn't do that. So I didn't want to leave her hanging. Everything shut down. I'm like, let's just go camping. Like we won't be around people. We'll just go by the lake and relax and be in nature. So we did that for, I packed up the Jeep and my dogs and Ginny and we went and we hung out by the lake, just us for a week. And we were going to continue to, stay in nature and enjoy that for a while but and we're going to continue on to the Grand Canyon but then everything sort of shut down I mean they closed all the national parks and I think that's when we're like okay this is a lot serious than what we all thought like this is gonna be a, a thing it's gonna last a lot longer than we all expected so we hit the road back to Colorado I think I did what everyone sort of did for a while is like 
okay, let's, how am I going to build my home gym? Like I put together a heavy bit, a heavy, heavy bag outside and had my weights and everything and attempted to do that. But I think that like any athlete knows it is really hard when you don't have the environment of coaches and a gym and all that. So after a few weeks of that, and I was quarantined with Ginny, my best friend. So like there was no dull, boring moment. Like we had a good time, <laughs> but we thought, okay, we can't just stay here and get a shave. Like we really need to go re-quarantine with our coaches because I wanted to be ready to take a fight as soon as this lifted. And I didn't know when that was going to happen, but I was ready. Basically your, your early inception into the, um, into the, into the lockdown looked a little bit like the beginning of the walking dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're on tour while everything's closing down. You're kind of like on the road and yeah, um, quite I'm interesting, not, you know, Colorado Springs, you know, like I, I like the nature. Like I wasn't in a big city where everything got locked down. I'm very, it was, I was ex very easily accessible, like to go into the woods and we got, we did, we went to, we went to the woods one night for like four nights where we just like got a cabin in the woods and I have two dogs and I'm like, I like being out in nature. So we use that time to do stuff like that. We weren't around people, but we weren't locked in our house. Did you did you have an inkling that you may well, because of that card in New York on March the 14th? I mean, I was in Connecticut, a Bellator card that was cancelled on the Friday, actually. Because you yeah. would do, was it Madison Square Garden on the Saturday you were going to be at, yeah? Yes, yeah. So, cause, um, with Conlon, with, I think Conlon was the headliner, Michael Conlon. Yep. So... Did you have an inkling because of the things that Bob Arum had been saying that you might well be the whole time on, you know, you were locked down, you may well be one of the very first to be back? Yeah, they yeah. mentioned that was one of the last fights that was supposed to happen, that they wanted to be able to fight me soon. And I just, I wanted to be ready, whether that, whether, you know, whether they told me that or not, like, I really just wanted to be ready because I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know if the first card was going to be like, even Coach Al was like, they're not, trust me, they're going to give you a few months notice. This thing's going to happen for a while. And I think a lot of people thought that we were going to be in lockdown for a lot longer. And everything was in, like, no fight was going to happen for a lot longer. But I kind of had, like, this intuitive feeling that it was going to happen a lot sooner than what people thought. So, and I'm glad that I had that because if I didn't go into camp any, if I went to camp any later, I would be a little nervous about being ready for this fight. But I had a good five weeks, I think it was about five weeks. And I had just come off a long camp for Melissa Hernandez, the fight with Melissa Hernandez that didn't yeah. happen. But yeah. I feel good. You know, I, I feel good. Like, I feel like we made up the, the loss for lost time. I'm in shape. No, as I say, you know, I, I see you and you look tanned and you look in fantastic shape. You look on weight, you look ripped, you know. Um, so you're obviously not there yet. You're going to fight on Tuesday night, which is Wednesday, four o'clock in the morning in our time, UK. I'm still hoping that Bob Arum gets a TV deal. I'm chasing him for the news on this so that we get to see this in the UK live or whatever the next day. Um, oh, yeah. um, talk to me about what you know, because presumably you go there on, you go there Saturday, you, you land in Vegas or you land yourself in Vegas on the Saturday. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what, what, do you go, what do you go through? What do you know you go through when you get there? And have you tested yourself already with a home kit for coronavirus? So, so let, me, let me jump in. Let me jump in because... This uh, is the, George, by the way, speaking now. Um, yeah. Michaela's uh, manager, who's, who's on the phone as well. 
So, so uh, Top Rank has a, a very strict set of protocols that have been approved by the Nevada State Athletic Commission that involve Michaela getting a COVID test prior to her showing up, so prior to her travel, which she's already taken and she's cleared to fight there. She will fly in on Saturday and immediately go to the hotel, where she'll be taken to a testing facility and she'll be tested. She'll be t her and her team will be tested, and then they will go to their hotel rooms and wait in isolation until the results of that test. And once that test is clear, she will not be allowed to just go anywhere. She will only be in certain designated areas, using only certain designated elevators to train in particular gym facilities, all of which will be sanitized and clean after every single use. Um, she's gonna be kept away and her team from everybody else who is not participating on that card. So they're limiting it to very essential personnel who will, during the course of uh, fight week um, will be tested twice, once at the onset and then once on the day of weigh-in. Well, this week I also caught up with Bellator light heavyweight fighter Phil Davis, who outlined the mental aspect of going into fights that are coming up and thinking about the coronavirus and making sure that you don't bring it home. I was looking at the record and you fought a year ago. You fought last, last October. So you would have been in camp around now because you must have been either going on the Chicago card or I don't know, it wasn't announced yet, but you'd have been in camp. No? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I, I would have either been in camp or I would have been... Um, I would have, you know, fought from right now. I probably would have fought within, you know, a week or so, a week or two, and e either way. And um, again, I, I didn't get a date either. So I just kind of imagined this. They kind of keep me on that um, either late September or um, late October, early November um, and, and for the fall. And then for the spring, it's either late May or um, pretty much just May, you know, uh, it, it, it stinks that it won't happen during that time, but I'm, I'm really impressed with the company's response to this pandemic and this, this, their response to the times, you know, I'm very, I'm, I'm humbled by um, their approach and, um, and their safety and precaution. And um, I'm more than anything, I'm, I'm thankful. You must have heard their plan that they're looking to try and do six events between mid-July and the, and the end of August in the CBS spot. Would you be looking to get on one of those six cards? Oh, yeah. Oh, and I'll be ready. I would, I would love to be on one of those cards, and they know that. And um, I, I think I'm one of their go-to guys. No doubt, you know, you can look for me during um, what I think they're saying. Uh, right now, they're saying tentatively, like you, uh, like you said, Ju July through August, it's going to mm -hmm. be... It's going to be, you're going to be up. Yeah. No matter who you are, you're probably going to be up. And hey, if they want to throw me on again in, in late August or September, I'm here. They know where to find me. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Scott said to me the other day, Scott Coker, that he's still going to try and do the 30 events, get them completed by the end of the year um, by mm -hmm. doing a kind of accelerated schedule. Does that mean that success providing, you might well get that title shot again with Ryan Bader? Um, by the end of the year, because presumably you want the he light heavyweight title shot by the end of the year. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, uh, right now I'm so thankful and content that um, it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, 
I'm still thankful and happy, and, and I'm having fun. Do you has this, like you say, you kind of hinted at it or alluded to it that being in lockdown has made you thankful about being around the family and a lot of those things that we've all felt. Are you yeah. has made you think about your fight career in a different way as well and have time to really reflect? Uh, you know, not so much. I, I, I thought and reflected and kind of changed up my outlook on a couple of things, but um, not so much on fighting. Uh, fighting still in this place where I do it and I love to do it. And it's not something that I, I take for granted. Um, and I think that we've all learned something through this pandemic of how much we take for granted. Yeah. Um, and fighting wasn't one of those things. So, um, yeah, I, again, you know, I, I'm, I'm really uh, I'm really thankful for every opportunity I get in the cage. One of the big things is going to be about going back to gyms. Are the yeah. gyms? Sanitize. Does anyone test positive when you go back there? Does that mean the gym closes? What's sure. Your what's your rationale for for when you will actually go back to the gym? It's difficult. It's difficult because um, the thing that we have been doing this far is, you know, if there is a person in a place that tests positive. Um, we close that place and make sure that we stop the spread. And um, as we go back to um, closer to what we might call normal, um, that number, a lot of people, you know, at first there was, um, you know, you maybe didn't know anyone who, who had the, the virus or, and, and as time goes on, that those degrees of separation got shorter. They got shorter. And um, in moving forward, it may not be reasonable to shut an entire place because someone there, you know, uh, you know, tested, tested positive. Uh, you know, you figure I, I, for example, I think I stay fairly put in my, in my gym activities. And at the same time, I may go to, two or three gyms on a regular basis to train. Um, so let's say the example, I test positive. There's a number of restaurants, there's a number of gyms, a number of places that might need to close off of just one, one, one person. And so I don't know that that would even, I think if we start shutting down every place, we might be, end up in the same place we are currently much sooner than later. Mm. But again, I will say this, I'm not a doctor. So why would you listen to me anyway? <laughs> yeah, I mean, how comfortable or uncomfortable would you have been about fighting last weekend as there were fights for the first time? Would you have been uncomfortable about going back straight away? Uh, yes. Yes, I would. And, but but, but outline the reasons as to why but, but, that, that you would have been. Well, at the, at the very basic level, if you have a fight the first weekend outside of quarantine, that typically means that you've been training the whole time. That means you, you haven't been quarantined. Um, it's very hard to train for a title fight with, um, without the help of anyone else. Um, so that probably means that you're... You're training with, uh, you know, a number of people. 
that changes your, you know, um, I think about my habit when I'm training, training for a fight and I'm extremely uh, active. Uh, I go, I visit a lot of places mm-hmm. and um, it just opens you up and opens up your family and opens up the possibility of, of someone becoming sick. And, um, and at the same time, if you say, Phil, would you have done it? Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. And it, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, there's these political debates or, 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 you know, moral debates where you have a stance on it. But you also know that if you were in that position, you might go against your own conscience. So I, I, I don't fault anyone for fighting or say that it wasn't a good idea. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like, I, I get it. Like I said, you know, but would I have liked to? Probably not. Yeah, yeah. So that noise in the background, those little people really figure your thoughts about the moment, about how you interact, whether you go out into the world, whether you, you've had to think about this on so many levels and it, it's a, it's a poser, you know? Yeah. It, you know, it is. And, um, uh, you know, it, you, you, each decision that I make during this time is, is in full view of, of everything, uh, that I have going on at home. So you really can't make these decisions in a, in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. They, uh, as you could clearly see, they these <laughs> they come up. You know, here, 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 you know, we're we're having this conversation, and here he is. You know, and that's the way your decision making process is during this time. You know, you you can't alienate any part of your life because right now it's it's all very connected. Here's a question I wanted to ask you because I know you got little ones. When you do fight. Mm-hmm. You want to be tested afterwards and to, to know if you are or not. And if you are, maybe you'd go into quarantine before you came home. Absolutely. You know, I, you know that these are conversations I've already had, um, already had and have made plans for, you know, what typically what, what, well, tentatively what I plan to do is whatever the outcome is of the fight, of the test, um, I'll find a place where I can quarantine myself before coming back home to the family. You know, it's, uh, you know, there, you, you may, I, I may get tested, you know, pre-fight and post-fight. And then I have to get on a plane and travel home. And that's probably more dangerous than the other. Phil Mr. Wonderful being Phil Mr. Sensible there. Well, on another matter that's very sensible, boxers have been urged by the British Boxing Board of Control to seek help and talk to people when they feel down or feel that they're getting mentally ill during the pandemic. Robbie Davis Jr. outlined what he's doing and why he does things to keep himself above the curve during the lockdown. I've been fighting for a while now and like secretly I've been like um, suffering with anxiety and things like that and I kept letting like the pressures of social media and the boxing get to me more and more so I just started focusing on myself more than anything 
and then I've stayed away from like social media as much as I can. Just put the post out there and then don't really look at like what people comment or things like that. I've more or less come completely away from Twitter because I feel like the people are just a different environment to what they're like on Instagram and things like that. So I just retweet and then go off it before anyone gets the chance to just been having like me, me own bubble. And um, yeah. if I can spread spread positivity to other people during the same time, then I've been doing so. And the amount of, I literally get thousands of messages now, me following, I've gone through the roof just from being the way I am. Mm. And so many people like messaging me saying like, um, your positivity and your attitude is, is rubbing off on me. And I get a little buzz out of it, yeah. you know what I mean? Thinking I can help someone else in, in without really doing much. And are you not seeing a difference in your then demeanour on a day-to-day basis because you're not on social media and reading trolls and negativity? Yeah, definitely. Like I'm, I'm picking up books now. I'm going on walks, listening to audios and me, me well-being in myself. Yeah. Like normally, if I weren't fighting, I have got... I will I had because I've been staying with I had the worst sweet tooth ever. So like sit rounds and just eat cakes and whatever. Now I'm not even in, in fight camp now. Dominic Dom saying to me the weight I'm walking around now, he said you can make lightweight. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm cut I'm cut to bone. I'm cut to the bone now. And I haven't even got a fight. And mm. from what we've heard the other day, I don't think I'll be on the the back gardens with Eddie either. So I'm literally just taking over, but I'm ready to go. Because <laughs> you're doing a lot, you know. I mean, obviously, I follow you on social media, mate, and I'm seeing every day you're out, you're doing, you're not doing like little tickles around the blooming block. You're doing a proper run, proper bike stuff, you know what I mean? You, you, you're yeah. putting in the shift. Just getting, getting personal bests now and everything. Just got another personal best today. <laughs> got to me 10K personal best, something like 44 minutes. I was made up. Jeez, don't you put us all to shame. But again, does that, is that, Helping with the mental health and the me- and the mental side yeah. of being in lockdown. Yeah, definitely. Like this this lockdown, I, I have to be honest, it hasn't affected me as bad as it's affected some people. Yeah. Because I have always been in like my own little bubble and I keep myself to myself and I only pop out and pop in, especially when in camp I'm very regimental and everything I do. And now it's more just like me trying to pick up people around me rather than myself. Like people like my mum. Yeah. She can't see the grandkids. She can't see me and my sister and things like that. Yeah. So I have to keep checking in on my mum and making sure she's okay. And then like other family members that are in the same sort of situation and messaging them. Mm. And my missus is the same with like her nan and granddad. So I have been keeping myself occupied, but more like on a um, not so much with boxing because the, the fitness side of things on boxing regime, I always do that. Yeah. So I've just been like using the extra time to like make sure everyone else is okay as well. You managed to get that fight in, didn't you? Just before we all went on lockdown, the quick Carol card. You were on that one, and that was your first one with Dom. Now looking yeah. back at that, that's actually probably a bit of a blessing in disguise with everything that you're talking about right now. Yeah. Having had work with him and then not put it into practice in the ring and then going into lockdown, that would have been a blooming nightmare. But now at least you've put, listen, not the finished article in the ring, but you've put something in there, haven't you? Working with him and gone, gone through a fight with him. Yeah, what the, when, when we knew like the level of the opponents had changed that much, we were just like, we've just got to take this as like more of a, a learning fight for each other, yeah. learning to 
because I had to beat that kid on twice on Sundays. And um, if I'd have done it my way, I would have just steamrolled him. I would have just went out there and had an absolute tear up. Yeah. And I could tell by, like, he was getting tired of me boxing. So if I had to, if I had to put the work rate in for three, four rounds, yeah. he'd just fell apart. But you don't learn but, anything, and Dom doesn't learn anything in that situation. No, and in the same sense, I would have got a few, I would have took a few bangs in that myself because he was a swinger. Yeah. But after this fight, all Dominic and all them were happy, and the rest of the coaches and our team, besides me, I was like, I was a stinker. Yeah. And they were like, but just look at it this way. I'm going to mark on you. Yeah. You've listened, you listened all the way through the fight and you got paid for it. So don't 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 beat yourself up over it. Do you, know what I mean? you don't have to be entertaining every single fight. The, the, jobs, know, the job's to win, it, isn't it? The job's to I win. Know, I know that. <laughs> I honestly believe, do you know, if, if I always, like, always just box to the way I can, I'd, um, I'd never lose. The only... The two have been my two most. That's the worst way I ever look at it. Like my two most exciting fights have been the ones where I've been beat. And then when I, if I just think the gas off, I win easy. <laughs> to be fair, as a fan in Newcastle that night, I mean, geez, man, that was a fight. I think every single fan absolutely loved it. But like you say, you're on the you're on the wrong end of a decision there. So therefore, maybe yeah, maybe the uh, the teaming yeah. up with Dom. What, what what was the thought process behind that? Was it just a Going case with of freshening Dominic. Yeah, was it just a case of freshening up? Um, like the training I always had was always good in Tonk Gym and like obviously my heart will always be with them. They, they're a great set of coaches and that. But um I was training on my own and then yeah. I was like it become one of them things if you, you don't fix something that's not and then even though I always I still think I beat I beat Pete Ritten it was just, it was a close fight. It was in his back guard and you take it all into consideration. And I was just thought, if I'm going to change ever, it'd have to be now. And um, I didn't have a clue where it was going to go. Didn't know what gym I was going to do. The hardest part was actually telling them and then telling me managing Neil because like, so many fighters, they get beaten by the coaches. And I was like, Neil, it, it, it's not that, that's not it with me. I just need to find some new motivation. Like I'm training in the gym on my own, 24/7, every single day. Mm. I want to be around champions. I want to be bouncing off other top fighters and watching what they do. If I if I walk in the gym one day and I'm absolutely shattered, but then one of the others aren't, I don't want to be slacking, pulling them back. I want to be keeping up with them. Mm. I needed I needed that, and then. The more and more I started speaking to them in different places, different gyms, looking at Manchester gyms, I was talking to people down south. Um, and I always, I did always think of the Ingle gym as one of the... I gave Neil, like, three coaches, and Dominic was one of them. Um, I was just thinking of, like, um, how far away it was and expenses and et cetera. And um, Neil spoke to Dominic because he's... Um, They've had sparring with him, David and Kel before, so Neil had a small relationship with him anyway. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've seen even now fighters want to go to Dominic, and he turns them away, top fighters. So when I look back now, I think um, he must have seen something where he thought he could work with, with me, like in a sense of Liam Williams coming to him off a loss, and he's he's changed his career around. And I and then when I got up there, and um, it's very, very well structured and 
all the fighters are in there have all got their own personal goals and they're all bouncing off each other. And I was a bit of an outcast at first. I wasn't like in the crack with all the lads. Do you know what I mean? Didn't take you long. I was just like the new kids. But then once I, once I got over that barrier and like I started loving it, yeah. I was like, I, I was enjoying the training. I was grafting. Even in a game of cards. So I want to make sure to win everything. But then uh, <laughs> when I started bouncing off these, I was like, I, I, I didn't want to like just go up to Dom and go, oh, me, all right to stay. I was still a bit like, you know, you still feel a bit yeah. embarrassed of just saying something like that. So I, I drove home one weekend and I rang my manager, Neil, and said, Neil, speak to Dom. Like, I want in. If he's up for it, I'm up for it. Do you know what I mean? And and Neil spoke to him and he, he was like, Tom was like, oh, Dom thought you were just staying there anyway because you've been up there a few times. And I was like, oh, Sam then. Well, I tell him I'll be there Monday. <laughs> and then before I knew it, I sorted like a, a little a little apartment up there and things like that. I'm lucky to have the sponsors I have because it's like I'm still paying my bills at home, yeah, with back at home. And then when I'm in camp, I'm like living up there. But then I think me and Liam are going to get a place now. Do you know what I mean? So what are the plans? Because I was going to ask you, you said that that uh, Eddie's back backyard isn't on the on the horizon, mate. So what is next? Um, I think I'm looking at looking at um, around September time. Yeah. He told me yeah. um, when boxing's more back to normal. Um, it was more or less put across as you've got to remember Robbie was on the last show. There's some fighters that haven't been in the ring since December. Yeah. Um, and the boxing board when the, yeah, there's limited fights. On yeah, the box. Now. Yeah, on the, there's only five fights on each show apparently, and the boxing board on the letter what they sent out to all the fighters did say no championship fights. So I think like at the later ones, they're gonna try and like put like Dillian and maybe Casey Taylor and try and like push championship fights onto them ones as well, yeah. unless someone, for an example, like Conor Ben fights for the British title, they'll probably try and squeeze that one in. But the majority of the others are going to all be like six rounders and things like that, I imagine. Well, finally this week, we had one of the biggest responses to our regular feature. We're building the ultimate boxer. And this week, we looked at the greatest chins in the history of boxing. We go into this in massive detail. But you gave us, and I mean literally, hundreds of and hundreds of responses. Listen to the debate. Thank you so much for all your messages and your thoughts. Keep them coming because we love it. We love reading your names out, debating your points of view. Have a listen. You can't teach someone to have a great chin. You've got it or you ain't. Chins, here we go. Get off. He fires yeah, right back. Right. He's not giving him any ground. Another left counter from Mugabe, and Hagler won't move back. Left hand by Hagler, and it slipped Hearn straight up. And a right hand. Both men have felt the wrath of the other. Right then, Gareth. 
over the years, we have seen some guys with some serious concrete on their whiskers. Um, the ones that can uh, take one to maybe land three or four. Um, and I know that people are interacting with you now on social media, suggesting so many uh, different uh, names. Uh, who, are the, who are the few? When you, when you think of concrete chins, where do you go to straight away? Um, well, I'm gonna, I want to describe why I like these people, because there are those in history, Ed, with granite chins mm. uh, who've been able to impose themselves on other fighters, often without the illusion of, of movement and evasion, which lots of fighters obviously has, have as a defensive capability. There's an old saying amongst trainers that you can't train a chin nor mm. build one. Either you have one and you don't. Some fighters don't have them, but some of them have chins that would make Popeye proud. A beard, <laughs> as they can say, that can take it. The first name for me that comes to mind is Marvellous Marvin Hagler. He could box and brawl and maul and dominate, relying on that chin that could take him anywhere in any fight. And here's the stat, really, for him. He was knocked down just once over the course of 67 fights. And even at a, even that was a push um, by John Mugabe in their bout in 1986. For me, it's him, but here's in the debate. The great Jake LaMotta, George Chuvalo, Kid Gavilan, Muhammad Ali, Carl Froch, Saul Canelo Alvarez, Evander Holyfield, Sugar Ray Robinson, Gennady Golovkin. There are so many. And the response to this tonight yeah. on social media has been extraordinary. Mine, as a kid growing up, I was always fascinated with uh, Mr. Eubank Sr.'s chin. Yep, I thought that yep. he was absolutely made of concrete. I remember actually Cal Zaghi putting him down very, very early in the fight. And it took my breath away a little bit because I was like, what? Cal Zaghi must hit really, really hard because Eubank, we've seen him in wars with Ben and various others and the Collins fights and various, all these other guys. He could take some serious punishment. Don't get me wrong. That's not me throwing shade towards his head movement or his foot movement or anything like that. I'm just saying that he could get clipped with some serious, serious yeah. power and still keep going forward. It was whether the word impressive is the word that I should be using. But for me, that took my breath away. I, I, the weird thing is, um, Eubank will always tell you he's off balance when he got hit by Cal uh, Zaghi that <laughs> night. And maybe that's fair, but like you say, chin of granite. I mean, um, there have been tonight, I mean, I don't think we've ever had more of a response to this. Um, David Olney says Carl Froch. Sophie Nicolau um, yep. has replied to saying, I had the pleasure of working with the late, great Jake LaMotta, and that chin would survive a tank running over it. Ian Abbott says Hagler. Chris Parkin um, says Amir Khan, but he's just being nasty there. <laughs> yes, Mar yes. Marcus Wolvers, yeah, says Joe Bugner. And he's right. Joe Bugner was a great uh, defensive fighter. Took Ali and Frazier the distance in the mm. 70s. I don't know if you've got the list in front of you there, but Hagler, Hagler, Hagler. Kieran Scott says mm. Hagler. Uh, Simon Blandford says says Hagler. Canelo has an iron chin, says Lewis Cowell. Yeah, Time right. will tell if he goes down as the goat chin, though. Have you got some of them there as well? Well, yeah, and I'd like to agree with... Uh, I think you mentioned it in the, in, in the intro to this, and there's a few people sending me the exact same message. Gennady Golovkin, he, uh, in the fight with Canelo especially, he took some serious punishment. And I know that loads of people will throw shade on these fights because maybe the wrong man had his hand raised. And don't get me wrong, I, we, we've said on the show, haven't we, that we think that Gennady Golovkin won at least one of those fights. But he did take wax in those fights as well. And we know that 
uh, Canelo from speaking to various fighters that have been in with him. We spoke to Matthew Hatton, didn't we, last week? And obviously we've had Amir Khan on the on the show. The boy can punch. He can really, really yeah. whack uh, can Canelo. For, so for, to, for, for Gennady Golovkin to have taken all that punishment and still kept coming forward and obviously had the, the wits about him to continue to fight at such an elite level, that mm. says something to me about him. Because I've seen him be tagged by good fighters, Gennady Golovkin, and they just can't budge him. It's very Drago-esque. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, his head's like a giant turnip, isn't it? You know, and he's, <laughs> he's, he's built... He's, no, but, um, like, I've got to mention something. Alex Atkinson, this is a really good call. I'm reckoning Kid Gavilan needs a slot on the list. Kid Gavilan, 43 to 58, the great welterweight, was never stopped in 143 bout career, yeah. despite going up against the, the, the best, arguably one of the best welterweight division the 40s and 50s had to offer. He was only dropped in three fights and got up to win two of those. James Tony says Seamus Rafferty. I'm going down the list here because who piped in tonight but Wayne McCulloch popped up for us as well. He and he said, my st- he, he, he went the distance with Nazim Hamid, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, um, and, and And he said, I've still got the... I've still got a, a rock hard chin," he said. Um, Eric Burak, friend of mine that works on TV in America, Arturo Thundergatti. Uh, obviously, he and Mickey Ward showed what great chins those two had. St- well, yeah, Wayne McCullough. Yeah, I still do," he says with a with a glove <laughs> up to us. So, but I got to pull this in. Ashley Theophane has has piped in tonight as well. A British boxer based under Floyd Mayweather, friend of the show, friends of ours. Yeah, um, marvelous Marvin Hagler. I've got to pull up. Um, alongside Hagler for me, I mentioned him earlier, George Chavalo, 1956 to 78. Larry Merchant, the great broadcaster, once described Chavalo's best punch as a left cheek to the right glove. (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) That he could literally swing people off his chin, uh, swing people's fists (laughs) off his chin. And over his 93 fight career, Adam, he threw his left jaw... (laughs) <laughs> to the right glove <laughs> against some of the most fearsome punchers in recent heavyweight history. Slugger Joe Frazier, big man George Foreman, Muhammad Ali, Jerry Quarry. He was never knocked down. Isn't that extraordinary? Yeah. What is, what is your definition of a, of a good chin? Because people will maybe make the reference of being knocked down. Or is it the, the reference of recovery once you have been knocked down, getting back up and continuing. Because if it is the latter, by all accounts, Tyson Fury got knocked down by the heaviest heavyweight hitter uh, for some time. He got back up. He took a lot of punishment in the second fight. Well, I say a lot of punishment. He took a couple of shots in the second fight, walked through them and and dished it out himself. Well, mentioning there how George Chivalo never went down, but I think one of the great things... When we see um, fighters get up, it's often down to their extraordinary youth resilience and fitness mm. um, and how they recover from them but but for me the epitome of the chin is someone that has just that freakish ability like you can't train it they've just they've grown up with it and they know that they can really take a shot and yeah. they've come up the levels being able to take that shot um you know in in some ways um you know we we had amir on the on the on the show earlier um one of the reasons why amir um, has been able to come back and back, and even though he's been knocked out a few times, is that sometimes when you've got a chin that does make you go to sleep, you you aren't going to take massive punishment. And a lot of 
fighters who do have great chins have therefore taken a lot more punishment as a result. Yes. Muhammad Ali had a great chin. Look how much punishment he took and what happened to him. Yes. It's, a, it's a massive debate. I mean, thanks so much to everyone tonight um, for, for joining this. Oh, there's Injin Chi as well, um, that box, boxerratings.com came up with. I mean, it, it, it's, it's great to be doing these every week because everybody wants to get involved and have a say about for them who who was the great guys like you say chris eubank senior there was something you look at i watched him last night um against uh two opponents i think it was back in the early 90s it won in portugal and one here um and you look at his physique and you, there's something about him that and this is where i f would like to answer your question in another way is that if you're a big puncher and you've just hit a guy with the biggest punch yeah. you've ever hit them with. And I think this applies to the Fury Wilder first fight. Yep. When that guy gets up from your biggest punch... Breaks your heart, doesn't it? it? You just say, well, I'm up against someone special here. And psychologically, it does so much for the guy that's getting up from the punch. Last week, we had Larry Holmes' jab. This week, we've got marvellous Marvin Hagler's chin with a nod to George Giovallo. Next week, we're going for the best body punchers in history. Stay involved. Send us your questions and your thoughts. You've been listening to the TalkSport Fight Night podcast with me, Gareth Davis, and Adam Catterall. We'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.